0: So we're in um, this series, Daring to Grow. Really excited about this series because we know that God, this isn't just an idea, this topic. You know? This isn't just like we get together as a, a group of leaders and think, what can we think about this this month, this quarter? Um, we, we know the living God. We, we know Jesus Christ. We are following him. He speaks to us. And he's been leading this church for the last three years specifically in very specific ways. And this is his topic for our church so this isn't a case of, you know, how did the preacher do? This is, you know, all of us, we've got a great team. Adam did brilliantly last week. Deborah was amazing the week before. You know, and Vlad, of course, does a great job when he's up here. Um, and I have to try and keep up with these guys. But, you know, the reality is God is speaking to us. And, and this series, Daring to Grow, we try and make it attractive and, and snazzy and whatever and different and varied, but, but it is God speaking to us. You do. I hope you realise that. This isn't just just some idea that's been concocted from, you know, hymns ancient and modern or something. This is, this is God speaking real time to our church. And when we talk about this stuff, we ought to be asking ourselves, what is, what is God going to speak to me this morning about what he's saying to our church? He speaks real time to us. And uh, I just noticed that this next slide is, is slightly overlapping, but um, I just want to drop this in, that um, when we are looking to achieve growth, <laughs> Or when we see growth happen, God always does two or three things, and, and they are He breaks down stuff. I'm not sure why that slide's looking the way it is. We'll change it for the next service. But um, He will break down stuff, He'll break open stuff, and He'll break through some stuff in our lives. And you may argue with me in your head. You may think, oh, I can think of a circumstance where that isn't valid. Well, stop doing that. Right? Just realize that actually anything that's going to be constructively changed requires some sort of. Breaking down of ideas or breaking down of of <laughs> thoughts, and um, uh, but so that God can break open something new. You know, I'm just reminded for a moment about the alabaster jar and the perfume, and the woman who broke open that perfume at Jesus' feet. To the disciples around him, some of them thought that was such a waste of money, but to Jesus, it was everything. When we're prepared to go to Him. And bring everything we've got and break it open before him. That's where things start to change in our lives. It's when we start to put in sacred boxes those things that are untouchable. When we start to isolate parts of our lives and say, you know, Jesus, that's off limits. That's mine. That's where we have problems. When we bring everything to him, when we break ourselves down before God, when we break down and allow him to break open through us what he's doing, he will break through through us. He'll break through. And this morning, this whole service is unashamedly about um, spreading the knowledge of Christ. And, and what does that mean? And, and as we've looked through this 2 Corinthians book, this, chap- this book of 2 Corinthians, I've broken each chapter into two bits. Now, I think I said on week one, on the introduction week, that actually this is a very difficult book. 2 Corinthians is not often preached as a systematic study in churches because it, it's got some pretty hard things to tackle because it, it deals with church conflict, it deals with leadership conflict, it deals with things that people don't always want to talk about, but we don't care about that. We are going to teach the stuff and open up what God's giving us to look at. Maybe it's for good reason that God's having us look at some slightly more difficult things so that we can open, open those things up. But um. You know, if we're going to actively be spreading the knowledge of Christ, uh, and as we look at the scriptures this morning, you know, ask ourselves the question how many people can I personally reach this year? How many people am I going to reach with the knowledge of Jesus Christ this year? It, it's, it can't just be the platform, it can't just be the life group leader, it can't just be the daytime life group who go out regularly and meet people and connect, it can't be the ones and twos who've got that evangelistic gift. By the way, I'm so looking forward to Gift, Discovery and Purpose. It's going to be so good. I I think we've now filled two whole sessions or getting close. This says we've we've had to put a second um, four-week Gift, Discovery and Purpose program together already and we haven't even started the first one. And God's putting that hunger in you. I encourage you to, to sign up for that. Get involved. I've loved being part of the kind of prep for the series with Adam and Vlad as we've looked through... And what that's, what's what 's in it, but God is going to break open he 's going to break down our preconceptions he 's going to break open our thinking about our gift our dis, uh, discovery and, and our purpose and he 'll break through through it He will you' just got to do stuff it 's so amazing when you know just being abroad i 'll tell, tell you more about um, being in Jordan and seeing the Syrian refugees later but but how many people can I reach this year? How many people could I reach? How many do you journal like I do? Could you just You know, wouldn't it please God so much if you just said, I'm going to reach one person this year. One person. I'm going to share my faith actively with one person this year. My goal this year, as much as all the other stuff to manage household, hassle and looking after family and finances and jobs, God, enable me to reach one person this year. Imagine what's going to go on in heaven when that happens. You'll get a depth of understanding about the kingdom that you've never had in your life. I remember George Verwa came to this church a couple of years ago and he he asked a couple of very poignant questions about who's read the whole Bible. And there weren't many in the room put their hands up so they've read the whole Bible. I'd almost say, how many of you have actually led someone to faith? Well, that's the job for every one of us, you know that. That's not not the pastor's job, it's not the evangelist's job. The early church grew because they shared their possessions, their lives, their faith, They, they shared the kingdom they shared the not it's just knowledge you don't actually have to convince you know you don't you, the kingdom of god doesn't need you to convince people you're not that clever you you and i cannot convince people to fall in love with jesus christ you can't do it you cannot do it don't even begin to think about it like that don't think about sharing your knowledge of christ as being convincing someone to believe because you will fall flat on your face because it's supernatural the kingdom of God, the knowledge of Christ is a supernatural conversation. And all you have to be is yourself. But you have to be yourself authentically. You have to be real. You have to carry the knowledge of Jesus really in your life. You have to really know who he is. You just have to know who he is. If you know, if you know what Jesus has done in your life this week, or even this morning, or yesterday, and you bump into someone and you just talk about handbags being full of junk, right? and then just share for one moment how Jesus spoke to you through that situation. You know you could change someone's life. You do not have to be an expert evangelist to lead someone to faith. So when, when we go to heaven, what's God going to say? What, my good and faithful servant, but I was so busy. I was doing this, I was doing that, I was doing the other. But actually, spreading the knowledge of Jesus Christ is absolutely core to our faith. It's core to it. And as we open this up this morning, it's going to be interesting. There's a great verse in 1 Corinthians. It's going back to the first book of Corinthians. Um, uh, To the weak, Paul said this, to the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. You don't have to be an expert. (laughs) If, If God wanted us all to be experts at this, he'd have worked out some other formula in the scriptures. He just said, just be yourself and love me first. Be yourself, love me. Every person in this church, no matter how young you are as a believer, you may have only come to faith. You know, it was brilliant on the Sunday before going off abroad. Deborah preached so brilliantly and she's going through a tough time right now with her brother, you know that, and she shared from her heart. And a girl gave her life to Christ and I stood with her and we prayed her her into the kingdom of God right after that first service. I was so disappointed I couldn't stay for the second service because I just, I just wanted to do that again in, in the second service. But that is, ama- that is a miracle. Now, don't get complacent, BCC. We see people baptised every month in the church. And we are seeing people give their lives to Christ regularly here. But that is supernatural. This is a supernatural thing we're experiencing. But get involved. You don't have to be an expert, you just have to be confident to talk about what God's doing in your situation. It was great hearing Colin Bloom yesterday talk about the fact that the Prime Minister knows he's a born-again believer. The director of the Conservative Party, the chairman of the Conservative Party, they they all know he's a born-again Christian, yet they appointed him to a high level of responsibility, knowing his faith. Why did they do that? Because you know what's more important than having faith? In a sense, from their perspective, it's having integrity. It's having the authenticity to stand by what you believe. The worst thing is to have a load of theory in your head and do nothing with it. It's the worst thing. It must be an absolute nightmare for you to to think, well, actually, I know all about Jesus Christ. I I do this, that, and the other. But you actually never tell anybody. (laughs) That is the worst possible position you could be in, really, because your faith almost is, is worthless, it isn't worthless because it has value for you. But, but actually, it's not kingdom. There's no kingdom power in that. There's just information. And that can puff you up and make you feel good. But actually, nothing's changing. So we just need to have that little bit of courage to go and take a little step of faith. And, and, a little, in fact, and all you have to do is talk. <laughs> That's what I find so amazing. And some people are very good at talking. So um, anyway, but God navigates. Um, to the weak, I become weak, that I may win the week. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may have, I may have, I might save some. That's an amazing thing. So I'm just going to look at three things this morning, and we are going to bring Eric and Lisa up here towards the back end of the service, because we're going to honour them for their God's call, and of course Abby, um, and we are going to pray for them this morning, but we're also going to financially support them as a church. We're going to invite you to respond. We're going to do an offering at the end of the service. We're going to invite those who... Some of you have already said you'd like to stand on a regular basis with standing orders to support them in what they're doing. Because they're, they're, Do you realise they'll be the first missionary couple sent from this church on a full-time basis for at least 25 years? That is extraordinary. That is extraordinary that that's happening. and um, So we'll be looking at that later. But how does God lead in spreading the knowledge... Well, God is incredibly generous with us. and I'm going to open up 2 Corinthians 2, second chapter, verse, verse 12 and 13, just to, God navigates us into opportunities. God will do it. He's always doing it. In fact, God is always navigating us to opportunities. Always. Paul had a number of missionary journeys. we read about it in the New Testament. but he always navigates. Verse 12, it says, "When I came to the city of Troas, now the city of Troas is in modern-day Turkey. It's in Asia. Uh, in in its day when I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news that's the gospel of Jesus Christ um, the Lord opened a door of opportunity to me now so many people would stop there and say well I just want God's opportunity (laughs) I just want God's opportunities Uh, and we all pray God give me an opportunity and I pray all the time God give me an opportunity well God did that to Paul he took him in that city of Troas and gave him an opportunity then verse 13 it says but I had no peace of mind Because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you, so I said goodbye (laughs) and went on on to Macedonia to find him. So Paul said goodbye to the opportunity. Now, you may think, why on earth am I pulling that out? Because half the time we're trying to find the opportunities not say goodbye. (laughs) But I thought, what on earth was going on in Paul's head that made him say goodbye to an opportunity from God? Surely if that was the opportunity he'd been praying for, he would stick with the opportunity. You, you, you'd feel that that's the best place to be. But what I want to bring out to you this morning is that God's love of us is so massive that God just keeps bringing opportunities. He will keep bringing opportunities. He will, keep bring, he will give you opportunities like you don't know. If you say, I have got no opportunities You are not looking or you're not asking or you're not listening because God is giving opportunities. In this case, Paul was so close to God that when the opportunity was there to plant a church in Troas, he decided to say goodbye because he knew that God would open another opportunity. (laughs) It's an extraordinary thing. But what we also know is not only did he form a community of believers in Troas, but he'd already formed a community of believers in Corinth. And so that was what was weighing in his mind. He he was reflecting about um, the whole situation about Titus. He wanted to hear from Titus, Titus' friend. Now we're starting to get deep and personal in relationship to God and with what's going on here. He wanted to know what was going on in Corinth. He wanted to because he planted a church in Corinth beforehand. And Titus had gone to Corinth to see how things were going. And it was a tough environment, I mentioned that earlier. And he was waiting for Titus to appear over in, um, where he was when he was writing this letter. And he was not, he hadn't arrived at Troas. So Paul is now deeply troubled. He was troubled by this. And as a result, he said, I'm not gonna go into that opportunity that God's given me. Right, He's, he's effectively saying goodbye to it. Why? He decided he'd go somewhere. Now, if you flip across to Acts um, 16, you'll know, and we'll look at it in just a moment, that God had opened a door in Troas to preach the gospel, but God was about to open another door in Macedonia. So the two doors were being opened. Do you get it? Two doors, double-barreled doors were being opened. And in our lives, please don't tell me there's no opportunity God is open, wherever you are, God will open opportunity. It's just, what's the shape of the opportunity? What does it look like? Are we looking at it as if it's got to be defined by you? That's the wrong way of looking at it. The opportunity is always defined by God. We've got to expect God to shape the way we think about these opportunities as they open up. Spreading the knowledge of Christ, he will open an opportunity. So God had opened, and it says, a personal opportunity. This isn't just a generic thing. Each one of us has got a personal opportunity. If you want to see your faith grow, so often, probably one of the number one prayers uh, young believers pray is, God, what's your will for my life? Who's ever prayed that prayer? Everybody has. Well, actually, God's will is to just see the opportunity that's right in front of you. (laughs) That's it. That's it. It's actually not what's that lofty thing going to drop out of the sky, but what's the opportunity right now? Let me tell you, your faith will multiply faster than you've ever seen as soon as you see the opportunity. As soon as you see it. As soon as you see it, and you step into it, your faith will multiply. As a young Christian, you know, I I, early on I, I discovered that I had a sort of passion to pray. It's always hard work. That's why prayer is where the... That's why we believe it in the church because prayer opens and changes everything. It gives you the ability to see what you didn't see before. Prayer gives you a mindset that says, hang on, God's going to do something and it's about to change. Prayer sets you up to see the opportunities. That's what prayer part of what prayer does. Yes, it's, it's opening something supernatural, it's, a, it's looking into... But you know, the Bible says that God already knows what we're going to pray. In fact, God tells you how to pray. So actually, your prayer is already what he's planned. Do you get that? So, so you're busy conceiving, trying to figure out what to pray... You're busy thinking, well, what's my opportunity? God, I want more faith. What's your will for my life? Actually, he's already sorted out the plan. He's already showing you what to pray. And he's already giving you the opportunity. And we're busy bumping into walls because we are actually looking at the wrong thing. We're looking and not seeing. And we're making it too complicated. We We should be stumbling across the opportunities. We should be stumbling across, like the Good Samaritan, we stumble across the opportunity. He didn't have to agonising intercession, he just walked up the road and there was the opportunity. It was sitting, lying, beaten and bloody right in front of him. The opportunities are there. God is opening doors all over the place and if, if a door doesn't seem like it's the right thing, ask God and he'll show you another opportunity. So what did God do? He did that. God reveals opportunities when you least expect them. He will release and reveal those opportunities when you least expect it. If you are making it such a theological issue about what your opportunities are, you are missing it. Opportunities are multiple. They are all over the place. If you can't see them and you're thinking, God, I I need my faith to go, come to the prayer meeting and go find the opportunity. (laughs) Just go do it. It's it's all over the place. It's happening constantly. So God opens the door of opportunity. That's how he navigates. Um, we know that there was no peace of mind. Paul said, I had no peace of mind. Now, this is interesting. Why would he have no peace of mind when there was an opportunity right in front of him? And I realized that God navigates sometimes our journey with peace. We have to have peace about what we're doing. We have to have a sense of peace. And peace is important. It's one of those navigation tools. Sometimes you say, well, do I go this way or that way? How what, are you feeling at peace about a tough decision? Paul used his judgment about peace to be the thing that helped him navigate between the opportunities. That's what he did. So he prayed to God. Now, it doesn't tell us in Corinthians what then happened. We just know it happened. But actually, he got peace of mind. Why? Because God opened another opportunity. And that other opportunity was um, in Acts 16, verse 8 and 9. And it says, he had a vision. Now, this is Acts 16. He said, they came down to Troas... He's now referring exactly to a a parallel situation with with 2 Corinthians, and he had a vision, and this vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So a dual opportunity is emerging. Now, timing-wise, could be debated, whatever else, but we just know that Paul ended up going to Macedonia. Now, that's really fitting, because Eric and Lisa are leaving to go to Macedonia this week. Now, we as a church have been connected with Macedonia for a few years and we'll just share a little bit of that in just a moment. But God will navigate in ways you never thought possible. In fact, he's doing it all the time. God is... is, is He's got more desire for you to be effective and grow and filled with faith than you do. (laughs) He wants you to be absolutely overflowing with understanding from him. He doesn't want to make it complicated either. So... This is our journey as BCC. He navigated an opportunity. The picture of Jordan and Vesna on the left is a young couple. When we first knew them, they had no kids. They now have two kids. And that was in 2011. God created a supernatural opportunity amongst the young adults. And one or two of the young adults who are now grown up with kids (laughs) in this room, will remember, we decided that we would just put coffee money into a pot each, each month and send them coffee... Money, the price of a cup of coffee. And a bunch of young people in this church decided they would rather they forego Starbucks and put some money in a pot. And we decided to send it over to this couple, Jordan and Vesna, who are working in Western Macedonia where it's all Muslim Albanian. And they were having a tough time because at that point in time there was no established Christian church among 700,000 people. There's some Orthodox presence and a very, very old. Um, presence down in a place called Ochrid, but in their area there's nothing. It's just basically very, very difficult. And so what did we do? We got to know them Then in 2013. um, Jordan said, I'd like to paint a bridge. You may remember that conversation. If you're new to the church, and many of you are, you'll know that we... Well, you may not know that we ended up taking a team out in 2013 and we painted a bridge that was black and rusty and we painted it bright red, <laughs> just to make a point. Now, that bridge got the attention of the local media, got the attention of the local mayor. They wanted to put us on TV. They wanted to put us on the radio. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. The picture on the top right is, is the landscape overlooking Tetovo. It's very hilly country. Just the other side to the right of those hills is Kosovo. And you may remember the, the, the massive bloodshed that took place in Kosovo in the, in the early 90s and around 2000. And, uh, and Tetovo is full of very radical um, Albanians who are, who are strongly linked to Islam, but they don't really understand it. And I can say that because I've spoken to many of them. They don't speak Arabic. They don't really understand what Islam is all about, but they have this ethnic relationship. And then in 2014, um, we felt inspired as a group to pioneer a bridge centre, we called it. It was basically a coffee shop. And that happened in 2014. And then in 2015, um, we decided to move that to a new location in the centre of town. And another church decided that they would link up with us. So that's been broadly the story. Um, And now we're getting to the next phase in it. We're actually sending a couple out who are going to be full-time involved in mission out there. In fact, I think one of the farm locations that Eric and Lisa will be working at may well be in the foothills on the right hand side. Don't know exactly where it is, but they'll be working with Ot Mercy as well as BCC. So isn't it exciting what God has done? Talk about a door of opportunity <coughs> opening up. You, you couldn't work this out. You couldn't make the plan. It just opened. It just happened. So that's what God, how God leads, spreading the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, um, and of course, friendship. Um, Paul realised that Knowing how Titus had gone on was important to him. So it wasn't just doing Christian stuff. It's having great relationship, having great friendship. And great mission always takes place with great friendship. That's what God wants to do. It's not isolation. It's, on rare occasions, you might be isolated. But God often does things um, in collaboration. And I'll tell you something that's happened even this week. Extraordinary. I had a phone call this week. There's a church in America... Who want to start to partner with us, and i 've never even met them they 've asked if we would be a, a sister church of theirs. I mean, how does that happen i mean i 'm yet to find out what that 's all about, but they 're much bigger than we are, and they 've heard about what we 're doing and they, they would like they 're talking about wanting to partner with us and There was a conversation on Friday over in the states i 'm yet to know anything but you know what i 'm wide open. Kingdom is not about badging, badging everything with bcc 's logo it 's about the kingdom of God. We believe in the kingdom of God first. We believe in loving the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and being obedient to what he says, doing, d- putting our values into operation. And if that takes us cross denomination, so be it. I'm really not fussed. You know, we will just work with wherever God is working. So you watch what could happen. We might end up having guys from the States coming over to this church to go out with us to these sort of places just because they want to. Just because God's over. Isn't that extraordinary? And yet you might be sitting there thinking, what's the opportunity God's given me? I'm telling you, we are oozing opportunity in this church. I mean, other people around the world are realising the opportunities that we're stumbling across. So God navigates, that's our first point. God navigates when he wants to spread the knowledge of God. Secondly, um, let's move on. Fragrance, nurturing the right smell, cultivating an aroma. Now, God will do this, but thank God he has made us us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. (coughs) Interesting, isn't it? What we carry is perceived differently by different people. Those who are being saved, that's current, present. Those who are being saved, when you get anywhere near them, they're going to love your smell. Uh, hmm, interesting uh, they're gonna love how you smell they're gonna love it you know I was once on a flight and um, I, I was always I was never really into aftershave and stuff until one flight this is years and years ago I was near the back of the flight um, it must have been economy I was near the back of the flight and I heard these two stewardesses talking about their favorite aftershave and uh, I just I just know I, I just you know how you listen there's not a lot and this one woman said to the other you know my favourite one not, is this Armani Ill, Armani Ill, and I thought, Armani Ill, let me write that down, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm writing Armani Ill, I thought, what's Armani Ill, anyway, I thought, anyway, I looked at them, I thought, oh, they're, they're okay, these students. they obviously know what they're doing, so I, guess what I did as soon as I got off that flight, bought Armani Ill, Cause, cause I thought, I want to smell good, right, and if they like it, I like it, <laughs> so, now, I mean, there you go, mind boggles, but, um, but, but we all carry a smell, let me tell you. We carry a smell, but so often smells need to be put on. <laughs> I mean, most of us don't naturally have a great Armani ill smell. We, some, we often have other odours. Um, but um, attractive fragrance needs external application. It does. You, can't, you don't always naturally smell good. Does anybody in this room actually naturally smell good? Who feels they have to apply something in their life to make them smell good? Yeah, most of you. Yeah, nervous, a giggle. I see a few very firm hands going up. Um, you do have to apply something to your life to improve that, that, that sense. So, um, but you know, humans have five to six million odour-detecting cells. Did you know that? <laughs> a bit of research. But did you know rabbits have 100 million? So if your rabbit doesn't like you, then you know why. They are, they've got probably 20 times the sense of smell that you've got. But did you know that the average dog has 220 million? That's why dogs are so good at sniffing things out. But did you know bears, get this, particularly black bears, they can smell 18 miles away. That's why we've got no black bears anywhere near this church. <laughs> black bears. It's incredible. Why does God give all this sense of smell to animals that are not human beings? But anyway, anyway, but God says that we are ministers of this new covenant. We are ministers and we you see, all you have to do is smell good. Do you get it? You don't even have to be a good speaker. To share the knowledge of God, you have to just live yourself. You just have to, you know, you just have to do ordinary, do your washing and ablutions and don't smell bad. But God doesn't even make it complicated. Just smell good. And actually the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, I I am, you know, I'm being a bit cheeky here because because we do read. It's It's the shedding of, sharing the knowledge of Jesus Christ that's a sweet perfume. There is a knowledge. That's why we're doing this theological training course for 10 weeks. That's why we're gift discovery and purpose. That's why we're doing all this extra stuff. Because you, you can't get quite enough just being here on a Sunday morning. There's a whole lot of good stuff. But it says that, that he, was, he, said he was captivated by Christ. Captivated. God makes us his captives. Are our lives captivated by Christ? Are we captivated by our own, our own presumption about things? Are we really captivated by Jesus Christ? If we're captivated by him, do we have in our hearts that we are captivated by his love? If we've got it in us, you'll start to smell fantastic, let me tell you. You will, and there'll be people drawn to you. Do you get it? You know, if you ever walk into a room and you smell a bad smell, you don't know where it comes from, do you? If you go into a room and there's a funny odour, you just know it's in there, you want to get out of the room. But if you go into a room and there's a nice smell, You're kind of naturally drawn to it, aren't you? You think, where is that nice smell? Let me tell you, there are people in your life looking for you because you smell good. You smell good. It's a spiritual thing. You smell good. It's it's something about who you are. God is going to draw people to you. It was great when Colin Bloom at the men's meeting talked about influence. He said, we're born male, but we have to choose to be men. Born male, but you've got to choose, you know... We're born again, but we've got to choose to be like Jesus Christ. You, you don't just do nothing and then you've got, you, you've got to do it. You know, you've got to do the right thing. So we are used to spread the knowledge of God everywhere. It's not just in Bromley. It's not just in Beckenham. not just in your office. not just on the train. It's everywhere. Paul said everywhere we spread the knowledge of, of God. And we, we are like a sweet perfume, a sweet smell, Um, Did you know, just a few little bits and pieces, the sense of smell is closely linked to memory. When I was a little kid, we travelled to many countries because parents were missionaries, but I can still, in a flash, if I get a certain smell, I'm back in a country. In a flash, in a flash, just one sniff of a certain type of smell, and many many nationalities in here. You get one sniff of jollof rice, you're back in Nigeria. (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm telling you. One, one smith, sniff of cardamom and I'm in Bombay. I, I, you know, in the Gulf, we used to come across sulfur mounds and sulfur has a certain smell. And, you know, when you're, you know, certain smells, they just take my brain goes, it's the strongest recaller of memory is smell. It's a proven fact. Um, it's, a, it's a strong thing. You know, but to those who are being saved... They will be drawn to you. And what you can, you don't have to be a theologian. They're just drawn to you if your faith is living and real, if your relationship with Jesus is real. And what do people like? They like what are your favourite smells? Freshly baked bread, I guess. Freshly, uh, freshly baked bread. I've got a few pictures here. Favourite smells. They reckon the top four favourite smells are fresh bread is number one. Who likes fresh bread being baked? especially with butter. Forget this margarine nonsense. It's got to be full salt butter. And you know what? I love honey on it as well. I am a sucker for hot baked bread. Liz made some the other day and boy, it just is fantastic. And bacon. Bacon. Cooked breakfast. Bacon. Bacon. And they, number three is cut grass. Oh, I love it. These are all fresh things, aren't they? And, and nobody likes coffee in here apart from Eric. <laughs> oh, it's a whole roar for coffee. <laughs> you know, why does Starbucks do so much business? It's because of, you know, they appear... They, we don't forget this stuff. It's good. You know, all these things are really, really good. But, you know, followed by those top four things. This is in May 2015 in the Daily Mail, by the way. But other things that people love in their top, top 50 list are fresh-baked cakes. Mmm. The seaside. Mmm. Just laundered clothing, mmm. A Sunday roast, mmm. Fish and chips, mmm. Fresh flowers, mmm. Some other things that are in the top 50 that people like. Rain, people love the smell of rain. They love the smell of new books. They love the smell of, number 36, this is a bit weird now. And number 37, the two of them together are a bit weird. Number 36 is the smell of petrol. who likes petrol? Vlad does. The petrol heads, people who like cars like petrol. Now, what gets me is that number 37 is the smell of matches. So So if you're in that particular zone, keep away. Uh, I'll just briefly mention the worst smells are bins, drains and body (laughs) odour. But um, anyway, so smells are important. But God is watching us. It says in the scriptures, it says, it says down here in, in um, verse 16, to those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. That's not nice, is it? Uh, but to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And, and, and who is adequate for such a as, task as this? It, I'll skip through 17. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. God is watching every one of us, but he's making it easy for us. He's making it easy. There will be some that just don't like what you smell like. And I'm not talking about the actual physical smell. I'm talking about the spiritual dynamic in your life. But for everyone that doesn't, I'm telling you, there is one that does. You just got to find the ones that do. And if you're finding someone who's repulsed by your smell, well, if it's not your, you know, you just got to go. God is, God is, do you see this? Smell always draws, if you pass roses, right? And you, they smell good, don't you always stop and go back? Don't you? If you smell a nice aftershave, I always stop and or a nice perfume. I always stop a <laughs> better stop there. But, <laughs> so to those who are perishing, it's a bad smell, but to those who are being saved, it gives life. And I tell you what, if you spend a lot of time with someone who smells good, what happens? You start smelling like them. You know, last Christmas I, I my scarf. I've got a Christmas winter scarf, got borrowed by one of my daughters. It was disgusting. I put that thing on, I could taste the, the perfume, it was absolutely foul. It spent too much time around Rebecca's neck and it was now causing me to, anyway, it was not great, but you know, it's interesting. Uh, but it not only is, it, is smell a good reminder of things, it triggers things and it motivates things. It will motivate people towards God's word because they'll, they'll pick up what you carry in your life. They'll pick up with sincerity. They'll start to pick up the knowledge of Jesus. You know, time is going on a bit this morning. I want to get Eric and Lisa up here, but I just want to show you a couple of things to do with Jordan and, and Syria. Just a couple of slides. We haven't got a lot of time this morning, but let me just say the smell of BCC is not really our smell. It's the smell of Jesus Christ. We are carrying him authentically. And your gift of 2,400 pounds that we took to Syria, or took to Jordan, has carried God's fragrance with it. I just want to show you a couple of slides. Um, on the left-hand side, top left-hand side, was we, we had three food distribution points. The first one was Urbid, 10 kilometers from the Syrian border. A little while before we were there, allegedly, mortars had landed right near that town. But by God's grace, it was no pressure. We met a pastor and his wife, top right-hand corner, and Liz and I were there, who, who organise? it looks very organised, but they invite these local uh, refugees who are staying in and around the town. You can't get into the major refugee camps. There's over 100,000 people in the one near Urbid. It's all completely locked down because of the ISIS issues. The military are all around it. But there are 1.3 million refugees in Jordan from Syria, and many of them have nothing. And so we, what we gave to them was the finance, but the finance was turned into multiple things, but mostly food. And you'll see bottom right hand corner the stacks of uh, rice and sugar. And, and on top of the boxes, you'll see just a little collection of the things that we were in, in the parcels that were given away. Let me just tell you something. I hadn't realised the actual value of what we gave, but I worked out the cost. Each, every two weeks, they give a bag of food out to a family of up to seven people, and that will feed them on basics for two weeks. I worked out that it's around about 12 pence per meal. Do you realize that your 2,400 pounds effectively provided 20,000 meals to refugees? Look at the fragrance. The Bible talks about the fragrance of, of, of sacrifice and caring and rising before God. 20, this church and it, you know, some of you were very generous, others perhaps you didn't give. but we've just left the equivalent of 20,000. Thousand meals for people out in Jordan for Syrian refugees who have nothing. Uh, I just want to show you this final slide before we invite Eric and Lisa up. We are going to slightly overrun by a few minutes but we, we were also in Amman and the capital of Amman uh, of Jordan is Amman and there are refugees that are in the center of Amman now. It's not very far from the Syrian border and it's quite a safe country. Um, they're against ISIS. They're actively, there's roadblocks road frequently. The police are around a lot. Uh, the carry guns and stuff. But this is um, some young people that we met. Uh, we took bunches of toys and took loads of cases with us with extra stuff in it. But in the middle, you'll see a lady with um, the black over her face. Uh, that o- Honestly, in the past, that's kind of put me off. I've always thought, oh, that's fanatical territory. I didn't really realise that when a woman wears the coverings like that, that's meant to be a sign of their purity, that they want to be kept away from men. Let me tell you that um, you can't really see it, but that lady is 21. Uh, she's, she's a lovely, lovely lady. I could see her eyes. She's tall. She's elegant. You could see that she was fit with all the right connotations to that. And that's her son in front of her. What we also discovered was that her husband was murdered as he was coming uh, out of Syria, and she was raped in front of her kids, her child. And that young boy... Uh, And you look at this and you think, it's absolutely horrendous. And this is just one of many stories like it. And just to be able to be there and bring the fragrance of Jesus Christ into a situation is amazing. To have the honour of bringing some of your finance into a situation like that. So we put a small amount of money, because the young boy needs an operation. And I spoke to the national leaders in Jordan. I said, can you just hold maybe a couple of hundred pounds aside of the money that we gave And you make a call on it, just validate that everything's okay. But if that's enough, could you make sure that that boy gets his operation? So amazing! It's amazing what God does. And the little girl to the right, many, many single families over there now because a lot of husbands have been killed. I mean, a lot of abuse and stuff. And and bottom right and corner is a truck. Those blue bags are not rubbish. They're food supplies coming into a church in (coughs) Oman. Anyway, that's it. Worship team, can you just join me for a second? We're coming towards the end of the service. Um, just wanted to share those things with you. So God, we want to carry God's fragrance, don't we? We want to spread the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on, if we can't grow this church by double this year, all it takes is us to allow people to smell Jesus on us. That's all it's going to take. But um, I want the worship team just to join me. Um, we're not going to sing a song right now. I want to invite Eric and Lisa up. So Eric and Lisa just play some, some stuff and we're going to sing a song in a moment.